0: Good morning, if you would please open to Ephesians chapter 5. We have a series that we are going to start this morning, uh, and we're going to copy our youth. Not particularly, actually we are. You have the uh, Kingdom Advancement slide up there, ours is a little different, it's not dibs, but we're going to go through our own uh Things that God has rightful claim over our lives. And uh, unless you think that uh, I'm, I'm not stealing Jordan's idea, we're both using Mark's idea. Mark came up with this a few months ago, and we're like, hey, that's a really cool idea. We're going to use that for uh, the beginning of the year. So that's what we're doing. So it's fun to, to collaborate uh, with Mark and Jordan and just knowing that God has us all on the same page for his purpose, uh, just by way of prayer, please be praying for several folks uh, who are still battling COVID, uh, positive tests, and it, it's, a, it's a doozy. From my own experience, it is no joke, and I, I don't want anybody to get it, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. So, uh, just several marks out um, as well. I'm thankful for Eric being able, as, as Jordan said, Eric being able to come over and help us out. I had to call the bullpen I had to bring the righty in, lead us in worship. All right, Ephesians 5, what we are going to look at uh, in, in this series to begin our year, uh, in kingdom advancement, we want to consider the things that God has given us, that he has rightful claim over in our lives, in order for the kingdom to advance in our hearts and through us, to the people that we interact with. So here's what we're going through, time, relationships, our minds and affections, and money. That's what we're going to be uh, looking at this month in January. So uh, this morning, we we want to ask God about our time and the use of our time because God has claim over our time. We're his. In Ephesians 5, possibly a familiar passage to us about time, but look at verse 9. We'll go through verses 9 through 17. The Apostle Paul says to uh, the church in Ephesus, well, look, we'll just take the last little sentence of verse 8. Walk as children of light. But the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, we ask that you would have your way in our hearts through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may have heard... The phrase, turning over a new leaf, and as Jordan mentioned, uh, I'm going to poke around a little bit in the sermon about uh, New Year's resolutions and stuff, because uh, they, need to be, they need to be framed correctly in our minds, and Jordan had a good example of how they need to be framed. But m- maybe this year you're hearing of people, or, or you're uh, making some resolutions and goals, placing them before yourself, and maybe somebody's saying, this year I'm going to turn over a new leaf." Back in the 1600s, pages in books were referred to as leaves. So when they turned over a new leaf, they were turning to a new chapter or maybe in a journal to a blank page to be able to write a a better story, a a new fresh start. And it's helpful for us to be able to think through how we need to have discipline in our lives, in particular categories. Those are helpful. And, And God wants us to have those things. But if we're not careful we will usually end up, if if our goals for the year, our spiritual goals, our physical goals, financial goals, whatever they may be, if they are not uh, framed around God's expectations on our lives, we will get caught up in some form of self-dependence and self-reliance to change ourselves, which whenever we're left up to ourselves, we fizzle out because we are fickle people. Because we're not depending on the Lord's strength. And we need to be careful not to say, I want these goals, God bless my goals. Because we have to remember that our goals are not about us. As the people of God, our goals should not be about us. And, and simply asking God to bless what we want, what we think will make our lives more comfortable and more secure but we have to consider, what does God want? God has some serious expectations for our lives. And they're, they're right and true, and they are life-encompassing. One is, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. That's a big expectation. That if we get too familiar with or or casual with, we end up not walking out at all. God wants us to walk in the light of His will, and He has a will. And Ephesians 1 talks about God, He's working that will, He's doing all things according to the counsel of His will. He has a plan that He is executing every moment of every day. And he has called us as his redeemed, as his people, he's calling us to walk in light of his will, in cooperation and in obedience to his will, to his expectation of how things are going. Simply put, church, God owns everything. He owns our lives. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Here's the truth that everybody needs to understand. You do exactly what you want to do. All the time. We act as if we are pressured and we have these weird obligations on us and somebody else is forcing us to do things. That's not true. We do exactly what we want to do when we want to do it. So whether it's carve out time to watch something on TV, we make sure we will put kids to bed to make sure that we are carving out time and we are irritated with kids who keep on getting out of their bed because we need this time to watch this movie or to watch this series or just to have us time. We do exactly what we want to do. So when we get to relationships next week, in relationships, in relationship to the church, we do exactly what we want to do. We are not forced to be with us or apart from us. We're not forced to do anything. And the, the habits of our lives... Indicate whether we are living in the light of God's will or if we're living in some weird building the kingdom of self into our our lives where we are competing, actually competing with God because we want this kingdom of self built up and God's kingdom says, you need to deny yourself. You need to be around the people of God to be refined in the love of God and in the holiness of God to shine more like Jesus so other people see Jesus in everything that you say and do. Abraham Kuyper, 1800s, said this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. He has that claim on every one of us. Our minds, our money, everything we have our affections, our time. God is saying, that's mine. And not only do we need to give an account for it, we need to work for the kingdom agenda. We need to work for the kingdom advancement in our hearts. Because listen, that's our best life. I'm not trying to figure out some comfort and secure plan that we're asking God to bless. We are the ones that God says, I want you to live for a higher glory. We don't live for our personal domains, our personal glory. We live for a higher glory. We live for God as his people. So here, think about this caption phrase, God has saved us, so we will enjoy spending ourselves for the glory of Christ in all things. He has saved us, so we will enjoy spending ourselves for the glory of Christ in all things and 2021 is another year to do just that to live for something bigger than ourselves so the first thought is we are part of something bigger i think that's what paul is indicating when he's he's stirring the ephesians hey remember you're not to be walking in the darkness you should be walking in the light you're part of something bigger you're part of a different kingdom you're part of a higher kingdom we are citizens of a higher kingdom than anything this world has to offer. We are citizens of heaven. That is our zip code. So in the, the transactions of life, when we're using a credit card at the gas pump or at the store, we have to put in our zip code. We need to remember that's not our earthly home or it's not our final destination. It's where we're sojourning. It's where we're here until the day we see God in his kingdom like Abraham looked to see that city with foundations whose architect and builder was God himself a new year does mean a new you but not in the ways that we typically look at so we when we set goals We cannot be duped into or attempted into just setting goals for increased comfort and security. God expects expects us to live looking for him to be our comfort and our security, which doesn't necessarily line up in definition. Our comfort and security is, God, I just want everything to be easy. No sickness, have all the money I need. No suffering. Everybody around me does well. That's not always God's definition. The kingdom of God, in its existence, Paul's describing, is under attack. And we are a part, if we are citizens of that kingdom, there is a spiritual war that we are in. And that spiritual war will go after our comfort and securities. Verses 9-14 through 14 describe a spiritual battle that's played out in present realities. Light and darkness at war with one another. Don't give in to the darkness. Instead, expose the light. Bring the light and expose the darkness. We must be alert to how darkness lurks around every corner of our lives to take us down. The world, church, the world is at war with God. We cannot be shocked when the world gets more sinful because they're at war with God. There's a reason that that Muslims aren't picked on, but Christians are in their views of homosexual relationships because we agree with Muslims. Why don't Muslims get picked on? Because they're not at war with Muhammad. They're at war with Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus let his disciples know that. The world's hated me. It'll hate you too. Because this is a legit war. It's something that is fierce and it is happening and is under attack. The world is at war with God and we will feel that war. Now, it's not necessarily our duty to figure out where that war is occurring so we can attack it in the spiritual realms. It's our responsibility to obey and become more and more like Jesus, and when we become more and more like Jesus, that's when we walk in the light and we will expose the deeds of darkness. And people, they will recognize that. They may shun us. Hey, get away from me because you're a little too holy, you're a little too Jesus for me. I don't like that. I want somebody that's going to agree more with what I'm doing. That's what Romans 1 tells us that. God's given people over to a debased mind and they go with one another and they're like, yeah, we agree, right? We agree, yeah. We don't like God, so we're going to agree all together that we like, and I like you, and I like you, and I like you, and I like you, yep. So we agree. We give hearty approval to the sinfulness that we pursue. Romans 1. We're not to participate in that. We're to live in a way that's above reproach. So Christians living above reproach look like homophobes, They look like people who hate others. We have hate speech because we say there's a truth. It's called a microaggression. When we say there's an absolute truth, it's a microaggression to somebody else. This is alive and well on college campuses. Microaggression is a term that almost every college student understands. And we think, what? Microaggression? I'll show you aggression. I don't need no microaggressions, but... But all these little ways of picking on speech, guess what? It's setting up for a world that doesn't want you to talk about Jesus ever. Because saying his name is going to become a microaggression. It's darkness and light in the battle (coughs) that's in there. So what the responsibility for the redeemed is what? Walk in the light. And God, thankfully, by his mercy, which is sometimes a severe mercy, keeps us on track by getting our attention so we come back to him. Uh, I've been reading through the Old Testament prophets the past couple months. And the prophets continually, remember they're they're speaking God's word for him to the people, a a right now word. God wants you to know he's saying this. And and probably a third of what they're saying, or nearly half of what they're saying, is stop walking in the direction you're walking because it's fruitless. Come back to God. That's your spend your affections on God. Remember what he's done for you. Come back. Don't serve idols, serve God. The church. God's still telling us that. We don't need a prophet necessarily. Well, we have the prophets. We read them. We read how the struggle for Israel going back and forth with uh, serving a piece of wood that Isaiah says, you, you, at one point you take the same, you cut a log in half, one side you carve into this little idol that you're bowing down to, asking for provision and blessing from, and the other uh, half of that log you put it in a fire to keep yourself warm. It's illogical. That's not what God does. That's, that's man figuring out something, I'm not recognizing man's that dull piece of wood. He can't think straight. God uses, even the Old Testament, God used foreign enemies and occupation of his people to get their attention. And that's why I think sometimes it's right to say that God's mercy is severe. On occasion to let us know. God's saying, I want your attention because I want your heart. Isaiah told people that God has tried them in the furnace of affliction. God uses suffering to get our attention. Now, our response is what's critical because Let's take 2020. I'm sure there were lessons the Lord, the, the Lord, the Lord brought to you, the Lord brought to your attention. <laughs> the yet came out. <laughs> I'm sure there were lessons the Lord brought to your attention in 2020. Do you remember them? Or are we just waiting for the year to end to try to get to a new season? Because that's what we do. Like I'm just, I'm so miserable. I just want this to end. I want it to stop. And I want it to look. If we don't learn the lesson. God will bring another severe mercy to get our attention so we learn the lesson. I have, I have learned in my life to say, Lord, I want to learn exactly what you want to tell me right now because I don't want to have to repeat this lesson. I don't, I don't want homework. I don't want, Lord, I, I need to know what are you describing about myself, about you, my relationship with you, how it needs to change to be pure and holy before you. God, I want to learn. We have to remember the lessons so we don't have to repeat the lessons. And we're learning lessons so our lives really will be different. We don't just wait for things, (coughs) excuse me, we don't wait for things just to end. We we recognize how God's using those. See, uh, God redeems our past so we will praise him in the present in order for our hearts to be secure for the future. He uses the past experiences. He redeems those. He restores them. In order for us to have praise right now, God, I worship you because you are sovereign and you have restored those circumstances. In order for us in the future, when we're looking toward what God has for us, our hearts are going to be secure in him. Because that's his goal. With his mercy, he wants in his mercy, he's securing hearts to himself. And then Paul tells the church, Discern what pleases the Lord. He's saying, understand. Understand what the Lord makes a fuss about. And understand what you make a fuss about. And make sure they line up. Because a lot of times what irritates us about life, about church, about doctrine, is the wrong we make too much out of nothing. God says what? Jesus is the most important thing. And there are, there are, are top tier things with God, doctrines. There are second tier, there are third and fourth. There are different tiers, and you've got to figure out, am I making a secondary issue primary in my life, There, therefore creating an obstacle in my own relationship with God, and then introducing an obstacle in other people, my relationship with other people because they, I just can't get off this one thing. Now make sure the gospel is the primary thing we go after. Make sure Jesus is primary. How we walk that out, different convictions that we have about different things, that's secondary, third level, that's going to look differently. but we all have to agree on Jesus. We'll have to be going after Jesus So learn what pleases the Lord and then know the will of the Lord. What is His will? I would synthesize it like this (coughs) after I cough. God's will for us is for us to obey his heart's desire to save, sanctify, and secure a people for himself. That's his will. That's what we remind ourselves every week when we recite the Great Commission together. He wants us to obey his heart's desire to save, sanctify, and secure a people for himself. If he has saved us, he's sanctifying us. Why? To secure us. To secure our heart's affections and our heart's longing for him, connected to him forever, forever, forever. So when we walk in the light, that's when God's telling us, make the best use of the time. How do we use our time? Here's what I would say. One, be awake spiritually. Awake, O oh sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Uh, there is a, there's a, a mode at which Christians walk out life as if they are unbelievers. That they are not awake to Jesus. That Jesus is simply just an add-on. I got my fire insurance, I'm not going to hell, and I'm just going to live the way I please not pursuing his will, not trying to find out what pleases him in our lives. We're just, we're just, we're sucked into ourselves. We're not looking for what God has. Listen, our lives are the accumulation of moments built to exalt Jesus. So it's not, making the best use of the time is not making sure that every minute of our lives is accounted for in some spiritual way. Because you know what? We need to sleep. And that sleep that we get, very spiritual, very necessary, because it reminds us, I'm not God, I can't stay awake. And, and God's designed our bodies to regenerate at night. So the reason that when we sleep deprived and we don't think straight, it's because our brain's like, hey, I need a break. I need to regenerate a little bit. You need to turn me off so I can have some peace and quiet from you. So it's not looking at, at this minute every second needs to be accounted for. It's moments. But we're, we're discerning for those moments as moments with our children or moments as husband and wife. There's moments at work. There's moments that we look at and we accumulate those. And when we accumulate those, we should see Jesus at every turn, in every way. Here is the best way to use our time. We have to have moments of our lives that we invest ourselves in the word and in prayer. We have to do it. If you have tried, uh, I'm going to get on, I'm going I'm to read the Bible this year all the way through. Don't start in Genesis. Really don't. Because Genesis 1-1 is the most read verse of the Bible. But when you get to Leviticus, you're like, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on here. Start in Matthew. Jump around! You don't have to. It don't. You don't have to do the sequential thing. You don't have to be locked into something. But here, here's what we need. We don't need everybody reading through the Bible every year. We need everybody reading the Bible every day. Even if it's for a moment, take a moment, read the scriptures, because we. It's it's not, I mean, you can use all the weird metaphors, putting gas in your tank and all that stuff. It's charging up for the week. Whatever. It's about this. It's investing time in your relationship with God. That's what it's about. Prayer is about experiencing his presence and learning to hear his voice. Time is necessary for that. And here's my challenge for us all. Put down... The phone. Put it down. Because you do exactly what you want to do. You don't have, I just just try, I just don't have time. But I have time to scroll through this or check that score. We do exactly what we want to do. If that means fasting from your phone, fast. Say, God, I want you to have all of me. Because maybe that you, you'll discover in that moment that that's in everything for you. That connectedness with people or seeing what they're doing, which usually just causes in you. I wasn't invited to do that. Now I feel miserable of in myself. Invest. Invest. Really invest time in the Word. And really invest time in prayer. If you don't have a, a particular routine for prayer here's what's going to happen like all right i'm going to pray and about four minutes in you'd be like that's all i got got nothing else remember i was in college and i said lord i, I just want to learn to pray i said teach me how to pray i don't know how to pray i took 10 minutes i'm gonna take 10 minutes and it was grueling 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 sitting around you looking for something and all of a sudden everything's dirty in the house that you're looking at, you go walk, you don't pay attention to anything because you just pay attention to what you're walking, the cracks and look, do that long enough and you'll train your brain to stop concentrating on everything else. Uh, developing a prayer life is not so much what you accomplish in that prayer time, it's learning how to discipline ourselves to listen well. Uh, there are when I've done prayer retreats it usually takes me about three hours to not think of everything so I can just listen for the Lord. Three hours. So there are times, that I, I have my routines here where I am, uh, I've you, heard me say this, I walk this room and I, I'm asking the Lord for clarity and I'm I just I'm interceding for the church and, and the members of our church. I'm I love those times, but there, and God's, God has met me time and time again in those times, but there are times when we need length to get past all the noise in our minds, the fuzz going on, to be able to hear God, <coughs> to hear what he has uh, in store for us, but, but a lot of times, listen, just listening to him say, I love you. That's a lot of times what we need. It's the most important thing that we need. Him say, I love you, it's going to be all right. We need to learn to hear that from God. It takes discipline to do that. It takes time to do that. So what does that all mean? Putting this all together. We need to have the proper focal point for our goals. It needs to be on Jesus. Jesus needs to refine all the goals that we set so the 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 glory doesn't go to ourselves the glory goes to jesus so if it's get better uh exercise habits or eating habits or reading habits of the word uh, whatever the goal is the glory is for jesus and not these weird humble brags like I just the Lord has blessed me so much to be able to read so much of the Bible this year. It's just no, you just he just gets glory for the secret things. He sees you, and he rewards what he sees in secret. He rewards in secret. Let other people praise you. Don't go looking for it. Focus on Jesus as we take all of these accumulation of the moments of our lives and build toward Jesus. Build toward him. Let's pray. Eric, sorry, I didn't give you enough warning. You're all the way in the back. Lord, we declare right now you own our time. It's not ours to trifle with. It's not ours to use for our own glory or to use for our own comfort and ease or for our own security. God, you own our time. And we ask, God, that you would help us and empower us through your Spirit to use our time wisely. To invest ourselves in the Word. To invest ourselves in prayer. God we recognize that uh, as you claim our time you are you're building us into Christ and that's what we want. We don't want to build a kingdom that's going to fall. A kingdom centered around self where we have this faulty throne that we try to sit in all the time. God we want we want to see that kingdom fall in order for the kingdom of heaven to advance in us and to see Jesus seated on the throne high and exalted. Oh, that's our vision. Because when we see you clearly enough, we want to serve you. We want to obey you. We pray that our hearts would be joined to your heart and we would share your passion to save and sanctify and secure people to yourself. Start with us.